Welcome back to the Readiness Report live. And uh, we have our very first guest live in the studio. I'm Aaron Sagerman, the CEO and founder of Redcon One, Eric Hart, founder slash president of Redcon One. And we have a special guest. I'm Roger Stone. Yes, the Roger Stone, the <laughs> one who did nothing wrong. <laughs> so uh, it's it's an honor and a privilege to have you here in the in the studio. I got a chance to show you around the office today at the gym and uh, and hang out hear a lot of great stories before the show we were just talking about all kinds of cool stuff and uh, eduardo actually stopped us and was like wait this is all stuff that should be on the show and he was right so i'm glad to have you here they call they call that leaving it in the hall yes walter cronkite would always say don't leave it in the hall well i'm uh i was a bodybuilder when i was much younger i'm a great fan of the redcon line of products and it's Thank a you. great privilege to be here oh we love having you here and uh, Eric and I, this is our 24th show in a row. Yeah. I actually could, had to step away for the last show um, because I was in Tennessee, actually, in Nashville, where you're going soon. So um, we, uh, Eric handled the last show, but I, I said for, for Roger, I had to be here, and I wanted you here for the entire thing so you could go over the news with us, too. Generally, we'll bring on the guests like we did for you last time um, after the news. But uh, actually, last time we had like a, 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 what was it, like a wardrobe malfunction slash internet uh, malfunction. We had, we had a net malfunction. We had no wardrobe You were ready. That's right. You were ready. I spent hours figuring out what to wear. <laughs> Unfortunately, nobody could see it. So, uh, But it worked out. You, you could hear me and it was fun. We had a good time. We sure did. We sure did. Um, so let's start off, Johnny, with the news for today. And uh, we'll go. Johnny, everything okay? Looking like technical? Okay, good. No, just normal. All right. Let's go, Johnny. Let's hit the, hit the, hit the news. You always have to check on Johnny Roger because he's, you know, he's kind of iffy. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. News. Where's Go. That? All right. So the number one news story, Roger, is Costco sells actually at home COVID-19 testing for 130 bucks. And this is a big deal, obviously, because at home testing doesn't exist until right now. Right. And uh, people wait in line for testing. Don't get results for many, many days. This is 24 hour results by saliva. You don't have to shove anything yeah. in your nose. What do you think? Is this going to be a big seller? I think it'll do very well because, of course, the mainstream media continues to push the idea that there's widespread vulnerability and danger to the public in general. I would point out that the actual CDC figures, their figures, show that the number of deaths from COVID-19 alone is more like 2,500 people. There's 250,000 people in which they say COVID-19 was a factor in their uh, demise. Um, I, I don't think, like some, that it's a hoax. It's a very real virus. It can be very dangerous uh, to older people. Um, I'm 68. I have a history of asthma. I'm convinced that if the deep state had succeeded in sending me to a prison where they insisted there were no COVID cases, but where there were, according to the prison guards union, well over 200, um, mm. where there were no precautions being taken, no masks, no gloves, no hand washing, I probably wouldn't be with you today. <laughs> so um, it, it is dangerous, but I don't think the general public is as vulnerable or as at risk um, as the initial projections showed. Therefore, because people are hearing on CNN and MSNBC that they're in grave danger, I think many people will, for peace of mind, go out and buy this product. Yeah, it's a $130 fear tactic. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, also Costco sells everything now. So, <laughs> but I mean, you think about it because also one thing I've heard too is certain states now are marking people. If you go get tested, now the um, oh, what is it? The local health department will call you, and yeah. now you're on like a like a watch list. So <laughs> I see for some people, some someone's gonna make a lot of money on this because there's like me, I wouldn't want to go get tested just for that reason. I don't want to get earmarked as having had it or whatever. Well, so. as you know, it's a very short step from being marked to being chipped. Yep. I don't want to be chipped, nor if there's a, a vaccination, do I think I would take it. I'm, I'm opposed to mandatory vaccinations as a concept. It's not so much the vaccination as what's in the vaccination yeah. that concerns me. And one yeah. of the reasons I'm going to Nashville is to speak to a health uh, freedom uh, uh symposium and rally or more like a festival um, because I have become very good friends with Robert Kennedy Jr. I think he's a very courageous person raising legitimate questions about the safety of vaccinations. I know that's not politically correct. I know it'll get you banned, but it's a fair question. We're not very politically correct, are we? I get that. <laughs> <laughs> me and Eric, me and Eric have talked quite a bit, even from the beginning when it was really politically incorrect to talk about uh, COVID nineteen, the the potential like uh, morbidity or whatever, the 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 death factor of it. Where it's like, well, obviously, and, and President Trump says quite often, one death is too many. But it, unfortunately, the reality of life is people die all the time. And so uh, we talk about we've talked about like, well, what is what's actually happening and what's what's the other effects? You know, the, and, and as he said, like the problem can't be worse. The cure can't be worse than the issue and uh, the problem. Right. Well, it's and, not it's certainly not incidental that Joe Biden headed the task force on the swine flu. And today, still more people have died from the swine flu than died from this pandemic. But the media wasn't hyping the swine flu the way they're hyping the dangers of COVID-19. Yeah. So uh, I think, uh, Eric, right, that the Costco test at home will be very, very popular. And they'll probably make a hell of a lot of money on that. Uh, but the next story is Amy Coney Barrett confirmed and sworn in as Supreme Court justice. And uh, I think that um, I felt like, I don't know about you, Roger, but I felt like that was going to happen for sure. I didn't, I never really thought she was at risk. I feel like uh, her record, who she was. I mean, I feel like it was gonna it was gonna happen. Did you have doubts? Any doubts that she would get confirmed? Uh, I'm surprised that the opposition to her was not more virulent, was not more uh, nasty. That they didn't try to Kavanaugh her. Mm -hmm. uh, it would have backfired, in my opinion, particularly against a woman and someone as both uh, as accomplished and articulate as she. She handles herself extraordinarily well. Um, uh, I'm surprised that a greater fight was was not put up, but it is another promise kept by Donald Trump. I think people have to remember when Donald Trump first ran for president because he was from New York, because he had given money to some Democrats as a businessman, because he had once been pro-choice, was now pro-life. There were some conservatives who doubted that he was really a conservative. Uh, and one of the single most important pledges I think he's made and kept is to put an entire generation of conservative judges on the bench. It's probably the greatest single impact that he will have as president. Um, and he has been completely solid on that. So I think this was an excellent appointment. Um, I'm surprised that she was ultimately uh, confirmed that easily, but it is good for the country. Uh, I think everybody recognizes that we have the potential um, if there is a dispute uh, over the outcome of the next election, that it could end up before the U.S. Supreme Court, as it did in 2000. Um, 
let's be very clear. If we have a disputed election, we want it, I want it to be adjudicated in the courts, not the streets. We renounce violence. We're not for violence. That's Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They're the ones who engage in uh, violent and dangerous activities. Um, uh, and I think there's every possibility uh, that this could get end up in the state courts first and ultimately perhaps in the federal courts because we already have so much early anecdotal evidence of voter fraud. Yeah. Voter fraud does exist. MSNBC and CNN are, uh, are passing falsehoods when they say it doesn't exist. So I think her appointment, quite candidly, could be significant if the election ends up in front of the Supreme Court. My my favorite moment of her of her whole like the the confirmation hearing was when they go what are you reading off of and she's like this and there's nothing on it and you're like damn she like busted them because they thought she's reading some script or whatever and she's reading nothing and we're like whoa I think she's extraordinarily capable extraordinary if, if 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 you weren't sure before you saw that if you saw that clip you're like whoa she like she is the real deal. So uh, I'm uh, I'm glad that it went. You're, but you're right. I think that the fact that she was she kind of walked through it like it wasn't as bad as, you know, Kavanaugh or really what people expected was surprising. So next story on our list is Shopify partners with TikTok to help merchants with their marketing campaigns. And obviously at Redcon One, we deal quite a bit with digital marketing. And that's one of our specialties, one of the things that maybe separates us from other people, along with many other things. But that's one of the things that separates us. And uh, Shopify is also the, the the actual platform that Redcon1.com is based on uh, and, and a very powerful e-commerce platform. TikTok, well, you know, kind of, I don't know about TikTok. Well, I, I mean, as long I as deleted my account. As long so. as the folks at Shopify understand they're turning over all their data and all their information to the Chinese Communist Party, fine. God bless you. <laughs> TikTok is a is owned by a Chinese concern, and essentially everything is heavily regulated or controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. I would be reticent about joining any uh, partnership where you're putting proprietary data your customers in this case, in the hands of the Chinese. Interesting to see how many people adopt it as an actual shopping platform, because it seems like anymore, I mean, every social outlet is a shopping platform. Essentially, it just it gets built up as a social platform and gets monetized. But to your point, Roger, yeah, with it being owned by a Chinese company, ultimately, interesting if people think through that enough to go, maybe these dollars aren't worth it for what it could do. So, well, I'm not, look, I'm sure the Shopify folks have signed an agreement uh, in which they're their data is theoretically protected. It's probably a good word, theoretically. And so on. But signing a deal with the Chinese, they cannot be held to account in court. You can't sue them internationally. And they're they're liars. It's part of their entire scheme to control America. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I can tell you personally is I had TikTok. I got my name. I got because I just kind of wanted to register Aaron Sangerman. You know, I wanted to make sure nobody else was Aaron Sangerman. So I took Ryan. it. And, yeah, Ryan probably would have, he would have done, he probably took my Aaron. Somebody like Ryan, there's a Ryan out there would have taken Aaron Sangerman, just like they'd be a Rod, there's probably a Roger Stone on TikTok, I can guarantee oh, you. There's no question. Um, and so I uh, I wanted it, I took it, and then all this stuff came up and everything, and I deleted my app. I don't want even, on, I don't want it on the phone, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So yeah, there's a, I mean, obviously, when the American government tells every military officer or enlisted person they can't have it, NSA, CIA, everybody has to delete it off their phone. They don't want anything to do with it. That's a pretty bad sign. Yeah. 
What do you think, Roger? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I, you can spy on somebody through their telephone. I was sitting at the hearing of the House Judiciary Committee with Alex Jones when I heard um, this fellow Pai, who was the chief executive of Google, say, "No, no, no, no. We China. We couldn't even find it on a map. We're not doing any business in China." As number one, lie to Congress under oath. Then he went so far as to say, "Oh no, there's no way." that the app can be used to trace your movements. That was lie number two. See, some people can lie to Congress with impunity and others make misstatements that are immaterial, but they become the subject of a political prosecution. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so Twitter CEO, next story on our list, Twitter CEO Dorsey pressed by Cruz on restri restricting Hunter Biden's story. So this, Rogers, is a story near and dear to your heart. Not just the, the Hunter Biden part, but just the fact that social media is very restrictive now towards what gets out. Oh, oh my gosh, Dorsey looks bad there. He looks huh? like Biden's kid. He rough. He wow. does. He looks like the Unabomber kind of. He does. But wow. anyway, you slice it, Ted Cruz does sound like Mr. Haney on Green Acres. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've said that, think about it. <laughs> At least it wasn't Arnold the Pig. This is a, this is a really significant story. Um, the main reason why Donald Trump was able to get elected in 2016 was that he could use social media to circumvent the censorship and the bias in the mainstream corporate-owned media. Now, that is no longer true. You have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, virtually all of the, the social media giants engaging in widespread censorship. I, myself, have been banned for life on Twitter, where I had 550,000 followers. I hurt Jake Tapper's feelings. That's why I was uh, banned. Uh, <laughs> I've been banned on Facebook because of the false allegation that I owned or controlled 100 fake Facebook profiles, completely false. Uh, that, in turn, gets you banned at Instagram. So I've lost access to somewhere just under a million followers between all of these applications. It has certainly had economic repercussions for me. It is also highly illegal. It is a violation of our current antitrust laws. The Justice Department and a number of the state attorney generals are just now getting around to bringing antitrust actions against Google, kind of late. Uh, I think this poses a very serious problem for the president's reelection, first and foremost. Um, and second, uh, Ted Cruz is absolutely right. In other words, why is Jack Dorsey allowed to make decisions about what we can read and not read? Um, they are desperate to block the truth about the stories regarding Hunter Biden. Let's take this piece by piece. No, Jack, these are not hacked emails. That is false. They are authentic. They have now been authenticated by two of Hunter Biden's former partners. Yes, they do demonstrate participation and corruption by Joe Biden himself. This is a legitimate news story uh, because we have an election. There's a blackout. You can't see it on television. You can't see it on cable. And now you can't see it on the Internet. Um, this is communism. Uh, it is it's wrong. Uh, it's a pity that Attorney General Barr has not moved against these people to have a level playing field. I'm a great believer in the First Amendment. I don't care if you're a, a, a conservative or a progressive or a libertarian or a vegetarian. It doesn't matter to me. Everybody should have equal access to the Internet. It's a very slippery slope. Um, if the president is reelected, 
Uh, I hope that he is next attorney general, uh, will deal with this in a more aggressive way. Um, if he is not elected, I suspect we will see further mass-based censorship uh, of anybody who is not a liberal. In other words, if you're a Christian, if you're a conservative, if you're a libertarian, if you're a Trump supporter, um, I know for a fact on Facebook that they have an algorithm. If you put my name in any post, the first time they shadow ban you, meaning they throttle your reach. The second time they just nuke you. They deplatform you. Ryan, Ryan, just just use his first name, okay, for this the show. Uh, uh, Insta oh. Instagram, uh, Instagram. Um, the show's done after tonight. <laughs> uh, Instagram deplatformed my daughter the day before yesterday. Oh, she shit. of all of her posts on Instagram, they tend to be to do with her volleyball league, her family, her dogs. But she made the mistake of mentioning my name one time. Wow. wow. That's outrageous. So do you feel that a lot of the media, you know, the social media throttling and, you know, censorship is because of Trump outsmarted the media and said, hey, I can use the social media to say the truth. Exactly. So what they're, what they're trying to do now is put the toothpaste back in the tube. They recognize that the advent of the Internet and the rise of a vibrant, robust alternative media based in the Internet um, provided a platform for Donald Trump, an anti-establishment figure, to punch back, to have a platform to correct the uh, falsehoods being peddled by CNN and MSNBC, for example. So they now want to remove uh, his ability to do that, and they pretty effectively have done so. Does uh, George Soros own stock in like Facebook or any of those? I, I Does he have any type of connection? I couldn't answer the question. What I don't understand is why he's not in prison. <laughs> when you are financing terror, when you are financing violence, when you are paying people who threaten the life of the president of the United States online, um, you ought to be prosecuted. Yeah, he's an interesting, interesting yeah. character. What, we, what we, media did he try to buy recently? Well, I don't know for sure, but we talked about Fox. Fox. Yeah. Well, supposedly that's 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 but the room behind all of them. Anyway, I don't so, think he needs to buy yeah. Fox. They seem to be moving his way without yeah, the purchase. He's already in their pockets. Right. So. That's the rumors that Rupert Murdoch's kids uh, want to get rid of it and want to be popular in the London Tea Parties well, or whatever. I don't know that they want to get rid of it so much as they want to make it more like Sky TV yeah. in Britain or more like CNN, which means that they're they are leaving an, an entire niche market underserved. I mean, OANN is great, Newsmax is great, but they can't fill that market. They're creating another opportunity for a conservative or in the even moderate-based objective uh, news organization, both print and uh, and cable, for that matter. Um, and somebody is going to step into that void, in my opinion. Have you uh, have you got so are you close with Chris Ruddy and those guys? Chris Ruddy has been a longtime friend of mine. He's a great American. Um, yeah, uh, we are both longtime friends of Donald Trump. Yeah. he's a very very good guy. I have argued with him until I'm blue in the face. If you take a link from Newsmax and you put it on your Facebook page, it will not populate. Really? That's interesting. If you put it on your yeah, Instagram you page it. or your Twitter page, it will not populate. Yeah, so I, I went to we went to lunch recently and definitely the digital marketing and digital like that that's a priority for him. So I'm sure hearing that he's like, I don't want to believe that because it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta well, be something that you don't want to hear. I right? mean, if you go to if you go to his actual page and you go through the link to Twitter or Facebook, you can post. But if you just take the link, yeah. which is what most people do, yeah, yeah, of course. and post it, he had a great story on Hillary Clinton. 
She pitched a fit the other day saying that she was born to be president and it makes her sick to her stomach to think that Donald Trump might get reelected. Of course, I loved that story because she should be locked up. Uh, and I went to post the story on my Parler account. I really like Parler, by the way. I strongly recommend it. Um, and it wouldn't populate. Uh, Chris and I have talked about this before. He's a great guy. He's a great patriot. Um, uh, and he's doing great things. Um, I do think cable news technology is outdated technology. Ten years from now, nobody will be watching cable. Cable will be as dead as broadcast TV. But in the meantime, he's producing an excellent product. The Greg Kelly Show is one of my favorites. Um, he's doing a great job. And he, of course, is a strong supporter of the president. So let's move on uh, to the uh... – Actually, let's do a commercial break and come back because we have a lot of questions actually for Roger specifically. Instead of just going to the news, let's go straight to Roger for his thoughts on a lot of the current topics and some past stuff too. So, let's do a commercial. Johnny, you ready for the commercial break? Is, does he look ready? Yeah, all right, ready. all right, all right, Johnny. Commercial break, and we'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, 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 look at me, look at me. Don't worry. The zombies are gonna feed soon. 2020 is coming to an end. And now it's time to reveal my master plan. To zombify the entire world. Alright. Alright. You're not gonna turn the world to zombies. Redcon 1 will never let you do that. And who's gonna stop me? The only cure is Redcon 1 Total to War Zombie Ball. I would share, but I only have enough for one. Actually, I lied. There is another one in the control room. But by the way things are looking, you're gonna be zombie me before that happens. Have a nice night.
is Ben Galloway. And I'm Matt Saracino. We are the Tier Operator Management Team, and we invite you to join the Redcon One family. I joined the Tier Operator Program because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Being a Tier Operator is phenomenal. You want to keep tearing up. You want to work for, yes, the best company in the fitness industry. Redcon One helped me reach my goal, which at the time I didn't even know was a goal. The products work. Like that's, I mean, it's what it is. And I want to help other people reach their fitness goals using these products. I love that it's like a big family. I really enjoy that we can get together at events like this. And it's like, even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's just like we all know each other like we're neighbors. We're not just out here trying to make sales, we're out here trying to change lives. Apply to be a tier operator today. So Kanye West, not, I'm not honestly, I'm not a huge fan, but I am interested. I, I'm intrigued by Kanye West. Eric has some of his shoes. I do. You know, I don't. I don't, but I am interested, and I do think he's an interesting artist. What do you think about him for president? Uh, look, I like Kanye West. I like his Christianity. I like his uh, rejection of identity politics. I like his thought that black people should be able to decide for themselves what they think. Um, I like his uh, wife's efforts for criminal justice reform. Me too, yeah. Um, I, I really like this uh, guy, Duke Tanner, the former boxer who President Trump granted clemency last week. He was excellent last night. I'm with Laura Ingram talking, thanking God, thanking Jesus Christ, and then thanking the president. I thought that was very classy. Um, uh, seems like a very good guy to me. Um, Kanye West running for president if you wanted to run for president as an independent, you would be, need to begin that process two years before the race. The process of getting on the ballot in all 50 states, particularly if you're not running as a minor party candidate, so you're not, say, a Libertarian Party candidate or the Green Party candidate, where those parties already have one permanent access on the ballot in somewhere around 30 out of 50 states. But running as an independent, you are starting from scratch, which means so the, you have to get on the ballot in 50 states. That's 50 different processes. Now, the laws regarding how you get on the ballot are written by who? Republicans and Democrats working together to make sure it is as difficult as possible to have any opposition from a third force. They don't want that. No. They fought the Libertarians and they fought the Greens. So, um, Kanye announced his intention to run after half of the deadlines had already passed to get on the ballot. The measure for viability as a presidential candidate for me, at least in terms of the debates, should be the theoretical ability to get 270 electoral votes. If you're on the ballot, which is very expensive and very legally difficult and a huge number of man hours because it's usually the collection of valid signatures and they can't just be any signatures they have to be so let's take new york state has to be in 17 different congressional districts cannot have signed a party petition for any other party and they only give you three weeks to do it wow. that's theoretical but it's pretty close it's very difficult 
Um, and it takes an enormous amount of planning and money uh, to pull off. If he wanted to run, he should have started two years ago. If he wants to run in 2024, he should start two years from now. Um, I respect him. I like him. Um, I think he's making great music. Um, uh, Jesus is King is my favorite album. The song <laughs> Salah is my favorite cut on the album. I've really gotten into his music. I think he's great. Do you have any issues? Uh, you know, look, uh, he he marches to his own drummer, but I like people who are yeah, independent and who are uh, and have strong opinions. And I have always particularly liked his wife. Yeah. So uh, my 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 question, my follow up question for that is: so a lot of people are saying or or, or suspecting or guessing that that maybe he because he loves Trump, right? They've been friends for a little bit. He he was one of the very few people to go and meet President Trump at the uh, Trump Tower and get to go, you know, have an audience or whatever you call it with him and hang out with him, talk to him. And it has for years, right? So is there any potential, in your opinion, that maybe he is pulling off some of the uh, voters that may vote against Trump and instead will vote for him? Um, it's one of those theories that sounds right on paper, but I can't find any polling that actually supports that theory. In other words, the people that he does get Remember, he is a pro-life Christian, so he gets a few votes from Trump. He gets a few votes from people who wouldn't have voted otherwise. They're coming out just to vote for Kanye and no other reason. There is no um, scientific evidence, no survey research, no polling that shows he's pulling votes from Joe Biden. And I don't think that's why he did this, although I think he did say, well, if it ends up doing that, that's not a bad thing. I do think he loves the president. Um, he should look at 2024. Would you so so you obviously your time is very, very valuable to you. If Kanye came to you and said, hey, Roger, I'd love for you to help me on my campaign in 2024. Would you consider that um, if I didn't have a commitment to another candidate, if I became comfortable with um, his commitment to it? Running for president is an all consuming exercise. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's very hard to be a recording artist performing uh, live. Cutting new albums. Uh, having a personal life and still run for president. It's an all-consuming thing. Um, if he were serious, um, I would certainly consider it. I'm not committed to any other candidate right now. There are a couple of people I think would make great candidates. Uh, but, um, but look, I'm a businessman um, and I don't disagree with him. I like his, like I say, I like his Christianity. I like his pro-life stand. I used to be pro-choice. I am now pro-life. With the birth of my godson, my views changed. Uh, and um, I, I like him a lot. I'm not sure that he is serious about politics. It's not a sometime thing. It has to be an all the time thing. So w with that said, uh, who do you think? So in, when you look at the younger men or women that are out there in politics now, who do you, or maybe even in, not in politics, who do you see that you think would be a good presidential candidate one day in the future where you're like, wow, that is obviously you spotted Donald Trump. 30 years ago or ish, right? Yep. And you said, this guy, he's got potential and you're obviously right. So when you look at people now who are on the scene or are potentially on the scene, who do you look at and say that guy or that girl has potential? Uh, Congressman Matt Gates from North Florida mm -hmm. could certainly be a great president. Uh, I think he would make an obvious vice president. He's going to be on the show very soon. A good, a good guy, <laughs> a great guy, a great supporter of mine. Um, I think he will be president someday. Um, 62-year-old General Michael Flynn, if General Flynn, um, 
who is being persecuted, um, who's done nothing wrong, who has not broken the law, um, who is a very great patriot and a good man. Um, I don't know that he would want to run, but perhaps he could be drafted. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri is very impressive. Um, beyond that, looking at the also-rans, I don't see Ted Cruz as being an attractive candidate. The guy looks like a fat Dracula, as a matter of fact. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of guys go to the Senate thinking um, that they're the smartest guy in the Senate. But Ted Cruz went to the Senate thinking he was the only smart guy in the, in the Senate, which leads me to this conclusion. Do you know why people who meet Ted Cruz take an almost instantaneous dislike to him? What's that? They're merely saving time. <laughs> oh my gosh, there, there he is. It's Dracula. It's Dracula. Um, Eddie Munster all grown up. So, Eric, we had a guest on the show that we thought could potentially be a presidential candidate. Who's that? Maybe see you know, when I. Oh, Dan Crenshaw. Crenshaw. Crenshaw, yeah. Uh, Crenshaw. That's certainly a possibility. Now, did you, did you see that? Oh, Russell oh. Crowley, yeah. Do you see, Roger, do you, have you looked at his politics and him as a person? Is you he, know, is he I, a, am, I am not, uh, he could certainly be a viable candidate. He's a talented guy, but he is, even though we're both conservatives, he is a neocon. I am not a neocon. I'm pro-peace. I'm fed up with the endless foreign wars where we have no inherent national interest. I'm tired of spending American treasure and American blood. Um, if we're fighting over oil, we're fighting over revenge, um, and we don't see our national interests. Dan Crenshaw um, is a very attractive guy. Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas is a very attractive guy. I agree with him on many things, but he is a neocon when it comes to war and peace. Donald Trump got elected as an anti-war candidate. People are fed up with foreign wars uh, and... Uh, it's why in the general election against Hillary, three out of 10 Bernie Sanders voters ended up voting for Donald Trump because Trump was the peace candidate. So um, I would not rule Crenshaw out as a potential candidate, nor would I rule out Cotton. They're not my cup of tea in terms of foreign policy and defense policy. One of the things that I loved, um, so it's it's so it's so interesting that people didn't agree with this was or, or got upset about it was Trump said America first. And it's like, why would anyone say that's not right? Why would people disagree with that? Because it's like, so we obviously mean Eric own Redcon, Redcon one, right? If, if I would say, oh, well, another competitor, whatever it is, um, I don't know, Eric, uh, Cellucor Cellucor first. Whatever, yeah. Well, no, that's ridiculous. Like, who would ever say that? Who would say, so I'm a Sigerman, Sigerman family first. Why would I say no, some other? It's, it's a crazy thing. So people got very upset where they said America first or Trump said that. It's like, well, that's that's almost obvious. How could anybody say that wasn't the case? Well, liberalism is a mental disease, as you know, and there are people who don't want their country to be first. I think it's sick. There's nothing wrong with saying put America, the safety of America's, the, the, the tax money of America's, the interests of America, the protection of America first. Um, look, Donald Trump got elected because the elites in both parties underestimated the level of disgust with the American people, with politics and politicians and big media. And it all came together at the same time. They were tired of being told by Barack Obama, by George Bush before him, before Bill Clinton, that everything was going to be great. And then they voted for these men and nothing changed, nothing. Uh, and they were different. They were ready to take the country 
in a different direction. So the first time we have a, a president who was not a general, who was not a senator, not a governor, not a congressman, didn't come from politics, is not a career politician. Um, and I think it is a secret to Donald Trump's success. If you go look at that debate last week, Joe Biden said a lot. I mean, he used a lot of words, but he didn't actually say anything. It's all recycled crap, renewable energy, invest in jobs. What does any of this mean? I'll tell you what it means. Higher taxes, more regulation, less freedom and less and more restriction on your private life. That's what they have in mind. No thanks. So, Roger, you have a film crew following you right now. Yes. And they've been, they've been, we went to the gym, we walked around the gym, we went, I gave you the tour of the office, and you got two guys following you with big cameras, uh, nice cameras. Our, our film guys were like, two, 300, they're like 500. Um, so you have, you have people following you around. What's this documentary for? Where can people see this in the future? Well, um, we, I don't think we know that yet. Um, I am, uh, uh, I've been through an extraordinary experience in which I was targeted by the deep state um, who told the American public for three years, Roger Stone will be charged with treason, espionage, conspiracy against the United States, mail fraud, wire fraud, uh, cyber crimes, including unauthorized access to a government computer, a receipt and dissemination of stolen uh, data, accessory to a felony before the fact, accessory to a felony after. It was all BS. Must have been one hell of an indictment. It was 90 pages tall, and it was all nonsense. <laughs> uh, they, they told a federal judge and various magistrates that they had evidence of these crimes. They had no such thing. When they got their search warrants, and they looked at all my emails, all my text messages, all my phone calls. We're talking about a million emails, by the way. They could find no evidence of any of those crimes. So they manufactured the crime of lying to Congress. The problem with that is to violate the False Statements Act and lie to Congress, your misstatement must not only be untrue, you must have a motive. It must be material. It has to matter. That wasn't the case. But then I didn't get a fair trial. Um, we now know that the jury forewoman was actively working against me. She had attacked me on social media in 2019. She had those personal attacks on me and on the president on a private setting during jury selection, on a private setting during my trial, and she deleted them after my trial. Um, I had a, a jury that included no Republicans, no conservatives, no military veterans, no evangelical Christians, no bodybuilders, nobody who had anything in common with me. Um, uh, they were all uh, Trump-hating Democrats, however, uh, and um, it has been a horrific experience. They have destroyed me financially. I lost my home, my car, my savings, most of my insurance. Uh, it has put enormous stress on my family. My wife is having serious health issues that I think are stress-related. Um, it's a horrific, horrific experience. I'm writing a book about this. It'll be my fifth book. Um, this documentary is going to be about this ordeal because I was unconstitutionally gagged during my trial. I wasn't able to defend myself on social media uh, or in public or in a speech or in a, you know, in a show like this. I was specifically prohibited from saying anything. So people need to hear my side of the story. No, I'm not a Russian spy. No, I was not covering up crimes by Donald Trump. No, I did not trade clemency for my silence regarding some misconduct by the president. That is 
false. There are uncorroborated witnesses who can be, I think, extraordinarily well impeached on that charge. That's made up crap. Uh, but if I don't write a book, if there is no documentary, I don't get my chance to tell the story. And I'm going to tell the story. Yeah, it's like it's uh, it's almost it's incredible that, that you've been. I mean, railroaded seems like the, the right word for it. Yep. That uh, that people uh, don't want to hear, the, or some people don't want to hear the story, don't want to know the truth, and that would rather see it just put out like this. I mean, the indictment, did you even know that that was coming when it happened? Did you, um, were you prepared I, for it? Well, or you since, shocked? since they leaked for three years, uh, you know, CNN, Robert Mueller has Stone's tax and banking records. How could they possibly know that? By the way, that leak is a violation of the law. How could CNN know that three months before my arrest? They couldn't, except for through an illegal means. As you know, a CNN camera showed up 14 minutes before my uh, arrest. They claim it's a coincidence. Oh, well, actually, it was, the, it was just a good journalistic hunch. Give me a break. Uh, I was arrested at 6.05. At 7 o'clock in the morning, a CNN producer sent one of my lawyers a, a draft copy of my indictment, which was sealed and not unsealed by a magistrate till 9.30. Possession of that document demonstrates the advance notice of the execution of a search warrant and an arrest warrant. That is a felony. Uh, CNN still, they got an award for showing up at my house, which is an absurdity. Uh, I don't get my news from CNN for the same reason I don't eat out of the toilet. <laughs> so you know roger you're, you're a liberal on a lot of stuff it's it's interesting because it's an interesting dichotomy where you're very conservative on many many things and obviously your, your politics are like that but but for you personally you know you're you're pro-gay marriage pro-choice pro-marijuana pro-drug not i don't want to say pro-drugs but pro-choice in terms of drugs and and stuff like that well i i would not call it liberal so much as i would call it libertarian yeah, I'm in favor 100%. of freedom. So and I've, I've wrestled with some of these issues. I was once uh, pro-choice on the question of abortion, as I said, because in my view, then the government shouldn't dictate to a woman what to do with her body. But I've changed my views on that. I think life is precious. Every life is precious. I'm now strongly pro-life. Uh, I am in favor of the legalization of cannabis. I have been for 30 years. It is less damaging than either alcohol or opioids. The war on drugs is a big, fat, ignominious, social and economic racist failure. Uh, thanks to Joe Biden and Bill Clinton, um, we now have these harsh mandatory penalties for the first time nonviolent crime of possession of small amounts of drugs. This has crowded our prisons with a disproportionate number of African-Americans who are not violent criminals. They belong in drug treatment, not in prison. But we as taxpayers are paying billions to incarcerate and feed people who are not a danger to anyone. Uh, this is the legacy of Joe Biden, by the way, uh, and one he doesn't want to talk much about. So uh, I, I am uh, for criminal justice reform. Uh, I have supported same-sex marriage in the past. I still support it. Um, uh, some of my friends disagree with me, but we try to dis disagree respectfully. Um, there is no question that when you're in the position I was in, when you are staring at a at a, a prison sentence that is in fact a death sentence because of the existence of COVID-19, 
Um, the courts ordered that I report to prison contrary to all legal precedent, contrary to current law, contrary to current Department of Justice and Bureau of Prisons a policy, despite my age, despite my current health, um, and with completely being uh, dishonest about the dangers of COVID-19 in the prison facility they wanted to send me to. So when you were staring into that abyss, yes, I did recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Liberals mocked me for it. Oh, it's a head fake. It's a joke. Stone is playing. No, I was I was ruined. I prayed to God to deliver me from my persecutors, and he did. Um, I believe that the president was guided by God, as I think he is every day. That's the hardest job in the world. So you can mock me for it if you want. The New York Magazine did, and the Washington Monthly, and all these atheist elites. I don't really care. Only I only care about what he thinks, and he knows what's in my heart. You know, uh, for for I don't I think Eric both Eric and I are are very libertine libertine uh, like it's like so drug laws are are very uh, uh, you know back and forth in terms of what people think, but both of us I believe think that it's a choice of an adult, right? If you're an adult, you have a choice to do A or B or whatever, and and the repercussions are on you. And, uh, and and I think that for me personally, you know, I had uh, drug problems as a as a younger man, and I knew people, plenty of people, that died as a result of their choices. And I didn't feel sorry for them. I didn't feel sorry for myself for having those things. I, I realized that that's a choice that they make, and if they made a decision that resulted in a bad outcome, that's their choice. And it's a tough thing for people to to grasp. Where they say, "Oh, well, well, that's you know, shouldn't be. They should. There should be something to stop an adult from doing those things." That's not what I. That's not what I believe. And I know it's a tough thing for a lot of people, but for you know, a lot of people, they think that that's not what should happen. The government should step in and stop the ability to choose what you should do with your own body. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not for that. What do you think about that, Roger? Uh, it's a very it's a very tough choice. I mean, uh, I am I do believe in the supremacy of the individual, and I believe in self determination. I think um, that I certainly think cannabis should not be on the schedule one drug list. No. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I uh, I'm not a hypocrite. I mean, I was a libertine in my younger days. I was a wild man. I mean, I have a tattoo of Richard Nixon on my back, which means I'm the only person you know with the dick on the front and the back. <laughs> um, and I admit to being a libertine. Today, I'm not, the words placed. I'm not that person, you know, not anymore. So um, every person has to follow their own heart. Um, but when people come to me who have similar experiences to mine, or whether you have a drug addiction problem or a gambling addiction problem or alcoholism or financial problems or family problems or relationship problems, read the Bible. There's solid advice in the Bible for every one of those things. I'm a believer. Um, God delivered me, and I think he will deliver others if you pledge to walk in his way. So um, people change. People progress. Uh, I'm not the wild man I always was, um, but I'm very happy with my decisions. Well, I think that's the, the for me, would be the takeaway is just, you know, people do change. 
So, you know, and then what comes at you in life, like who you were at 30 and who you are at 68 now are probably two completely different people because you have that many years of life experience. And yeah, for someone to hold you to maybe beliefs you had then and now, I mean, everyone changes. Look, I used to be a doctrinaire uh, conservative. Um, I once thought that the Bushes were not evil criminals. I now know far more. Um, I've written a book about it, The Bush Crime Family, that I recommend to you. Um, you learn things. Um, I'm... I'm less of a doctrinaire conservative now and more of a libertarian. Um, uh, but I think that, um, you know, if you're, if you're not liberal when you're young, there's something wrong with you. If you're not conservative by the time you're older, there's some, even, something even worse wrong with you. That's a, really a paraphrase of something Winston Churchill said. Um, freedom is what I'm for. Liberty is what I'm for. The freedom of speech being the most important. Uh, the freedom of religion being the the most important. Um, it, those those freedoms are going to be challenged here very shortly. We should not take what we have for granted. This is the greatest uh, country on earth. And that's the thing about Donald Trump. He believes in American exceptionalism. He believes in American uh, sovereignty, he believes in American power and American strength. He believes in free enterprise. Look around this place. This is a monument to free enterprise. You had to take risks to build this company. Uh, there is no reward without risk. Politics is all about taking risks. Uh, if you don't have ideas, if you're not prepared to get in the arena, it's easy to stand on the sidelines and say, oh, you should do this. You should have done that. Why doesn't he do this? Why does he do that? No, you get in the arena. I admire men and women, for example, who jump into a congressional race where everybody tells them you have no chance. The odds are overwhelmingly against you. No, the credit goes to the person who gets in the arena. That's who gets the credit, not the person who stands on the sidelines and points out how the person who did get in the arena could do things better. That's a, a Roosevelt quote that I, that's on my wall in the office. I don't know if you noticed that or not. But... I, I did not. I'll tell you, there's two interesting things. One, that was Nixon's favorite quote. And two, Roosevelt never actually said it. Oh, well, it was written was... for him in a speech that he ended up not giving, but it is a great well, it's a quote on my wall, and I'll—I I'll, don't know who it is, but uh, do you know the speechwriter? Uh, no, I don't think we kept track of presidential speechwriters at that, that day. Time, but, yeah. but Nixon. But I love—I love that. That—that's a quote. <coughs> I have two quotes on my wall, and that's one of them. So, that—that—that that, uh, that shows you uh, the the value that I the man in the arena is a is a big deal because that is a huge important thing because it, it's easy to say something or or espouse some <coughs> belief. When you're not in the arena. Well, it's well, the foundation this country is built on, though, right? Like the risk-reward. Yes. You're willing to take a risk. There's a reward for it. And unfortunately, nowadays, everyone wants reward without any risk, any effort. And But there's a lot to be said for resilience and persistence. I mean, Nixon says a man is not finished when he's defeated. He's only finished when he quits. Until one has been, uh, uh, one cannot appreciate the majesty of the highest mountaintop unless one has been in the lowest valley. I think so, that sums it up. So you, uh, you obviously, this is not even something I was, was curious about. <clears throat> so you have, obviously, Nixon on your back, right? You have him tattooed. You mentioned him. Um, Nixon is not the most beloved president. That's because he gets a bum rap. Let's, let's review his presidency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reached a strategic arms limitation with the Soviets. He ended the war in Vietnam. He ended the military draft. He gave us the 18-year-old vote. He unilaterally saved Israel from total annihilation in the 1973 war over the objections of Henry Kissinger and his own chief of staff, 
of his own national security apparatus. He gave us the war on cancer. Uh, he desegregated the public schools without incident or bloodshed. Uh, he opened the door to China. I think he would be rolling in his grave to see how we have handed everything over to them after we normalized relations. Uh, but he skillfully played the Chinese and the Russians off against us to give us a generation of peace. Um, uh, he was a very progressive uh, um, president. He gave us federal revenue sharing. Uh, he did an enormous amount for the black community. He tripled the funding for civil rights enforcement. He tripled the funding. No, pardon me. He increased the funding nine times for black colleges. Um, he's a very great president, but all of that gets lost because the mainstream media hang up with Watergate. Watergate looks like small potatoes compared to what Barack Obama and Joe Biden did. They use the full authority of the United States government and the incredible capability of our intelligence agencies for strictly political purposes and used falsified, fabricated evidence to open a totally fraudulent investigation to undo the results of the 2016 election. Uh, that makes Watergate look like, uh, you know, a, a, a second-rate burglary, a third-rate burglary, I think is the actual quote. So um, I think as you get further away from Nixon's presidency, uh, you overlook the quirks of his personality because he was an introvert in an extrovert's business. And just look at the accomplishments. I think there's a greater appreciation uh, of the fact that he bought us both peace and prosperity. So, Roger, what do you think of the election today? So we're, we're in an interesting spot. We're only, we're less than a week away, right? A week away from yes. uh, a very, very, maybe, you know, arguably one of the more important elections. And, you know, I don't know the uh, presidential history past, you know, we talked about this before. Uh, you know, my, my uh, history where I feel confident is really Reagan on. Look at that. Look at that. Go back to that one. Look at the back. Look at the, the V-taper on this guy. stone in his day. You know, it's all pulled down. You know, honestly, she got a bigger tattoo. Your back's so huge. You know, it's like a barn door back. So it's like you should have had like a at least twice that size. He, wanted, he didn't want a big dick on his back. Um, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so ultimately, right, uh, the, you know, things have, have changed in terms of the, you know, the size of the dick. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I had to. I, you I got, got distracted. distracted. I got distracted. Like Hunter Biden. Yeah, yeah, distracted. Hunter Biden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, With minus the crack and stuff. Um, so, uh, look, we have a very close competitive yes, election. Very close. Um, Joe Biden is like the basketball team in the fourth quarter trying to run out the clock without making any mistakes. He's not saying anything. He pops out of his house and goes to meet with 20 people a mile from the house just to show the media that he's not dead. Uh, but he's not going to he's not going to campaign. He is not going to say or do anything that might risk his lead. By the way, that's the most dangerous place to be in politics because people want to be entertained. They want to be appealed to. Trump is running an audacious, upbeat, positive campaign talking about making America great again, talking about how great the country can be. He's a cheerleader for America. It's a it's an upbeat, optimistic, positive campaign. And it's got energy. He, he's drawing these enormous crowds. He is clearly gaining in all of the swing states. Um, he has been has the disadvantage of the mainstream media bias, which we talked about. The fact that he can't use this social media to circumvent it, which we spoke about. Uh, his vibrant economy, the greatest 
levels of employment, job growth, wage growth in American history was laid low by COVID-19. He's in the fight of his life, but he can win. I wrote a piece today for the Daily Caller. You can take a look at it. It tells why I think he will win. The country club Republicans have already run for the tall grass. Very typical. They, they prefer cocktail parties to caucuses. But I think he will win. I think that um, the greatest danger um, is that we don't get an honest result. Uh, voter fraud is very real. Um, there is a Democrat, an illegal Democrat ballot harvesting operation run by three Democrat lawyers I have named, Mark Elias, Norm Eisen, and Neil Catel. They are engaged in illegal activities. Um, I do think that th that will be tracked if they try. Uh, I'm against violence of any kind in settling a dispute over the election. There's an appropriate forum for that. It is the courts. Um, and I think the race is going to be that close, as close as Bush v. Gore, as close as Nixon uh, against Kennedy. It's going to be skin tight. Um, and I'm praying for an honest result. I'm praying for the integrity of the election. Um, Trump is a, a warrior. Um, and he enjoys the stump. He likes campaigning. He likes people. You can see that he draws energy from it. Um, and he's simply going to outwork the opposition. This is a very similar situation to the close of 2016, where the exact three states were in play, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, uh, and you could say Florida. Uh, and um, he shifted late resources to those states. And while Hillary was in Chappaqua, selecting fabrics for the curtains in the Oval Office and not doing any campaign events in the last two weeks, essentially, Trump was outworking or barnstorming Democratic strongholds in those four states. It's the same playbook, and I think it will work again. You know, um, one of the things that, um, so the election, right, you know, Bernie Carrick, a friend of mine and yours, um, says that, you know, right now, He's he's on the he's on the campaign trail and going from place to place, and he's seeing these people who are so passionate, right? That are that are, it's almost like Donald Trump is a rock star, right? I don't know, you know the the presidential history from president from to president, uh, much better than I do. But I have never seen a president that has this kind of support from the base where he's like a rock star. He goes to places. No, it's, this is unheard of. Look, I, I loved Ronald Reagan. I think he was one of the greatest presidents of my lifetime. I worked for him in three presidential campaigns, 76, 80, and 84. He was great to work for. He was great to be with. He had an approval rating among Republicans in the high 80s, and we thought that was unbelievable. Yeah. Donald Trump's approval is in the low to mid-90s. I've never seen that before. There is an intensity among the president's supporters that is completely lacking uh, in the Biden campaign. Oh, yeah. uh, let me also say, you mentioned Bernie Carrick. Bernie Carrick is truly one of the greatest Americans I have ever known. He was a, a great resource for me, a great friend to me in the ordeal that I've been through. Uh, he was wronged by the system. He's a great patriot. He was a great New York police commissioner. He is one of the finest men I've ever had the privilege to know. Agreed. Agreed. He'll love to hear that. He he is one hell of a good guy, and he's doing things for the right reasons. And and uh, and right now, he has been saying as he goes from place to place, you know, working on this for the president, that the people respond to him, to Donald Trump, to to the whole thing in a level that he's never seen and couldn't even expect. Whereas, obviously, as you've seen, you mentioned uh, Hillary Clinton, where 
she could go to an event and there'd be 50 people, 40 people. We're seeing the same thing right now. Uh, I went to the, uh, the Florida boat parade, the flotilla, which went from Jupiter down to Fort Lauderdale and back. Uh, in a 40 year career in American politics, I've never seen anything like this in my life. There were 3,500 boats. The sky was perfect blue. You had all these blue, red, white, and blue banners. There were hundreds of thousands of people on both sides of the waterway cheering, taking pictures, uh, and so on. Um, it was an extraordinary experience, not put together by the Trump campaign, by the way, put together by a businessman named Carlos Gavidia, Gavidia who's a great guy, did this on his own. Um, and I've never seen that kind of support. Uh, I wasn't able to make it because I was speaking out of town, but I saw that there was a car caravan in Miami-Dade where they estimated 35,000 cars. That's extraordinary. So those are anecdotal evidence that the campaign of the president has real energy and there's a real depth to their support. So, Roger, you've been doing this for a long time, and I'm always curious when somebody like you has been, you know, pushing forward for such a long time, is there anything that when you look back at your career and the time you've been doing this, where you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or maybe even let's, let's, I'll give you two sides of that. Maybe I wish I wouldn't have done that. Plus I wish I would have done more. So you take your time, Roger. Take your time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. So manic addiction. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, I'll be honest with you. This will sound trite, but it's true. Um, I was a lapsed Catholic. I wandered from the church and I shouldn't have. It was a mistake. I, I, I cannot overestimate the, the inspiration that I've got by returning to the Catholic church. My, my own uh, Monsignor, uh, Father Grady, has been a great resource to me. When you go through hell, you begin to value those things and understand them. So um, I wish I had been a better Christian earlier in my life. Everybody sows their wild oats, I guess, but that would be the one regret that I had. And then the 25-year-old Roger Stone, because you, you've been involved in this stuff in politics since you were, what, 20, 19, 18? 19. Now? 19 years old. Well, if you were to go back, back a little further, actually, as a volunteer earlier than that. But yes, I, was, I went to the Republican National Convention in San Francisco when I was 12 years old. I was a Goldwater fanatic. Fanatic. Um, and I saw that I, in the, uh, the, yeah, the documentary. Yeah. In the documentary, yeah. That was you with Reagan, but you, but, but way before that, you were, you were. I, I, we had seen in the documentary on Get Roger Stone, Get Me Roger Stone, which is a great. By the way, if you don't, even if you don't like Roger, you don't like Republican politics, you don't like any of this. It's a great documentary on Netflix right now. You can get for free if you're a member of Netflix, and it's it's extremely entertaining, educational. And something you'll walk away from saying, I'm glad I watched that. Even if you don't like, I, mean, I can't imagine they don't like you. But if they didn't like you, very it's beloved. crazy. It's crazy. That would be crazy. Well, learn about the super PACs. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is yeah. very interesting. Getting your Roger Stone, there it is. So, like, uh, I can't imagine anybody would watch that and be like, wow, I wish I would know. Nobody would say that. So that is a great uh, documentary. The best one, until you watch the new one, which these guys are out there right now. They've been filming. So. Until that one comes out, that's the one to watch right now. So make sure you watch it. But if you're going to go back there to the 19-year-old Roger Stone, who's just, you know, getting into all this, what, and not 
be more stay with a Christian faith more? And let's say other than Catholic Catholicism, what else would you would say? What would be the big thing you'd say to Roger Stone of 19 years old? Um, I probably should have worked a lot harder in college. I should have read more and partied less. That's a big one. Wouldn't have been college, though. Uh, I understand. But then I ended up having to read the classics and educate myself later in, in life. Um, I do like to read, so it's not that big a deal. But I never took college seriously because I never learned anything there, despite my attempts to do so. <laughs> what they taught you in political science class had no relevance or connection to the real world and how applicable. things worked. So when I was in my junior year, I had an opportunity to go to work at the Nixon White House and let's see, be bored in a left-wing college where everybody thinks the same thing or work for the president you admire. That was an easy choice. It's a pretty amazing first job. Yep. Pretty amazing. Yeah, so, a... so obviously everybody knows you have a Nixon tattoo on your back. We showed it earlier in the show. What president would you get tattooed on your chest if you had to? Um, you know, instead of doing that, what I've been thinking of doing is <laughs> adding uh, Reagan, Goldwater, Trump. Uh, I already have Nixon. Then I just need to add Bill Buckley and I would have or Dwight Eisenhower, even better. I'd have like a Mount Rushmore thing on my back. There you go. That, that's probably where I'd go. You, you prefer those guys over uh, Roosevelt or? Oh, God, yes. Okay. <laughs> See, he's an expert. So, Eric, I, I know a little bit. He's like. Encyclopedia of the president. Well, so. I mean, I mean, Theodore Roosevelt is an interesting president. Um, he was very popular, but by the end of his career, he had really devolved into being a joke. I mean, during World War One, he's parading out in front of the White House in his army uniform, which no longer fits, demanding that Woodrow Wilson draft him to go fight in World War One. Um, he also destroys the Republican Party by mounting an independent bid as the Bull Moose uh, Party candidate. He was also pretty war happy. Um, uh, I admired his style, but not necessarily his governing philosophy. Dwight Eisenhower is one of our greatest presidents. Because he was so low key, people don't recognize the, the unprecedented peace and prosperity we got in the 50s. Uh, he was uh, what they called the hidden hand presidency. He was excellent as kind of acting like he was befuddled and a little confused, when in fact, you don't get to be a five-star general in the army without understanding politics perfectly. He was also, as Nixon told me, a tough son of a bitch uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, very, very um, cold, uh, despite his kind of grandfatherly image. Um, again, if I didn't name the greatest president in my lifetime, it's tough because I was born under Eisenhower. I had a relationship with both Nixon and Reagan. And of course, there's Donald Trump. Donald Trump has changed the world. He definitely goes in the pantheon of our greatest presidents, whether liberals like it or not. And should he not be reelected because they steal it from him or because of the use of COVID and the fallout of COVID, he still goes down in the history books as one of our greatest presidents. Remember, when he became president, they said, look, America just has to accept that we're no longer going to be the world's leader. We have to take a back seat in the world economy and recognize that the Chinese and perhaps the Russians are going to move ahead of us. Uh, the problems are structural. America ne can never be number one again. And he proved that to be wrong. Uh, and there is his greatness in the nutshell. His persistence and his belief in the fundamental constitutional liberties of America and the potential for free enterprise. Who was the president that finally got us energy independence so we don't have to kiss Arab ass 
to get oil? Why it's Donald Trump. Who's so who is Roger? Who's the worst president in your opinion? Who's the one that you'd say like really put us back, stepped us a few steps back? Uh, difficult question. Um, uh, Bill Clinton would be up there for me because he was such a fraud and because the level of corruption was so bad. Um, uh, I have come to appreciate Jimmy Carter, who I used to think was horrific. I now recognize he was kind of like Trump. He was an outsider who, when he got to Washington, he was completely co-opted by the establishment. He did do something that President Trump has not yet done. He totally cleaned out the CIA, uh, which was a, a very honorable and brave act. Um, beyond that, uh, it's, it's tough to say. Lyndon Johnson would go, I guess, on my list as the worst president. I've written a book on this, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. He was an alcoholic, a pill popper, a womanizer, a sadist, a bully, a physical coward, an epic crook who would steal a hot stove, uh, very, very uh, abusive uh, in his personal relationships. Um, uh, I think he was probably our worst president. So, uh, particularly any president who murders a previous president, that puts you down there pretty low. So, if you got stuck in the airport with any president, who would you want to be stuck with for drinks? Well, uh, since I've met the other presidents, I would pick somebody like Lincoln, somebody that I never had an opportunity to meet. I mean, I've I've spent substantial time with Donald Trump, Richard Nixon, obviously, and Ronald Reagan. Um, I'm obviously too young to have known Eisenhower, although I remember his presidency. But I think I'd go for a Lincoln. A Lincoln. That's cool. I'd go with Kennedy. I bet that fucker could drink. No, actually, he wasn't a drinker, but he sure could chase tail. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did like a good party. Uh, by the way, I think John Kennedy was a great president. He was an anti-communist. He cut taxes. He wanted to return to a gold or silver backed dollar. He understood the dangers of the military industrial complex. All of these things contributed to his murder, of course. So the election, we have to talk about this just before we go, Roger. So we, me and you talked for a little bit, and I told you my my theory on the on the Vegas betting lines. Yes. So there's obviously the polls that everybody has access to, and I feel like and this is me, the non-expert, saying the polls are probably biased and probably they have a a fixed, you know, group of people they're asking that it could be very very left or right, right? Although the betting lines in Vegas, that's the house. The house never loses. And those guys are all about money. They don't have a left or right. They're just dead center and make money. And so I always look at that, and I don't know if that's the right thing to do, Roger, or the wrong thing to do. But things are right now. So let's imagine Trump's here, and in February, he starts falling down as March goes through. And, and it starts and go from 99% chance of winning in February to now it went lower and lower. But all of a sudden, now things are coming back. So Biden's winning. All of a sudden, Trump's catching up right now. We're really almost at a at a, a catch-up point where it's almost 50-50 right now on the betting lines. Now, the polls still say that Trump is nine points behind. Is that reality? What do you think about the election? What would you say the chances well, are? Well, first of all, the polls are always behind the curve because the instant they're tabulated, they're already obsolete because right. things are changing is right under our feet. Um, there's a... a you can make a poll say anything you want. There's order bias. There's the wording of the questions. There's the 
sample and how it's drawn and have so you, on. Have you been done that before where you no. push the poll? There, there's no point in doing it. You're, you're, if you're basing your campaign on a, on a uh, benchmark survey, then you want to deal with accurate data for purposes of planning and strategic reasons. The purpose of polling in our business is not to find out who's ahead and behind, but to test themes and ideas that move people from here to here, mm -hmm. move people from undecided to your candidate or from the other candidate to your candidate. So uh, any poll is a snapshot in time. The polls that are out today are already obsolete. The direction of the polls is what is important. And I think that's what the people looking at the setting the betting lines in Vegas are looking at. They're studying polls. They're not making these decisions based uh, in a vacuum. They're looking at the overall situation. They see Biden hunkered down, hiding, nothing to say. They see this burgeoning Hunter Biden scandal, which is getting nastier by the day. They see Trump out having the time of his life, giving people optimism, giving them hope, talking about a positive record and a great future for the country. All of those things are impacting the folks who set the betting line. How big a bet did you place? I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, whatever you put, I'll give you advice, but I'm in for 20%. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll look like a true businessman. Um, so the the, uh, the final question I'll give you, Roger, is, you know, with all this happening and everything going on, where does the country land if uh, Biden wins? So that's the big thing that people have talked about, whether it's people that invest my money or people that have huge money that I can't even contemplate uh, in the market now or in businesses or, or, you know, they're saying, well, where will this do to the market? What will this do to our country? What's next if Biden wins and Trump loses? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you speak Chinese? I don't speak Chinese. You're going to need to. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of evidence that Biden uh, is inappropriately uh, influenced by the Chinese. You've seen his son on television. Who would send his son $1.5 billion, billion dollars to invest? The Chinese central bank controlled by the Communist Party wired him that money two days after he and his father left China on Air Force Two. You tell me. Uh, so um, I think the prescription of higher taxes and more regulation, big one-size-fits-all international trade deals, which Donald Trump has undone, uh, to get better trade deals that have been more beneficial for creating jobs. I think the job market will go in the tank. I think uh, that the economy will go, will, will be even worse than it is today. Um, I think the stock market will crash, but I also think it is the end of uh, our personal freedoms. We're going to see more of big government spying on our private lives. We are going to see more persecution of those who don't agree with the, uh, with the conventional wisdom, uh, big state, left um, uh, narrative of what's going on in America. So I just I was just at a charity event for um, Aaron Vaughn, who was a SEAL Team 6 um, Gold Squadron guy, and his dad got up and spoke, was very passionate, spoke about how important the vote is, and said that if you're not voting now, that you are, or if you're voting for Biden, you're voting for the end of America, the end uh, of uh, of what we have known for, you know, hundreds of years now, several hundred years, and you're voting for socialism, and and that the end of America is coming, because these these people who are going to take over are going to destroy what you know republic we've known. You agree with that, or you say that's I, over I, extreme? No, no, I totally agree with that. This is not Republican versus Democrat. We need to put that out of our mind. 
This has to do with a permanent ruling elite establishment interested in power and money and control of our lives versus an outsider who believes in the basic fundamental constitutional precepts of freedom and liberty. That is the choice. Um, these people are globalists. They would like to erase our borders with Mexico and Canada. Ultimately, they want us to be in a one world government where we have no say over anything. Uh, he has not overstated the case, if anything, he has understated the dangers. This country uh, will cease to uh, be as it is today, free. Uh, and uh, uh, if, the, if Biden wins this, he's not a moderate. He is driven by the socialist wing of that party that tolerates him. He's not a man in robust health, shall we say. Uh, he puts the word dem in the word dementia. Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think America has a bright future uh, under President Kamala Harris. That, that's what I was going to well, ask I was you. Gonna say that's the... Yeah, so it, it, so we're going to end it with us, unless Eric, you got we're some other like fuck, Mary kill with. No, you want to do fuck, Mary kill. So let's, see, let's finish with. Harris, you, AOC, do, you can uh, figure something out. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> don't don't get bribed for any hints. So um, let's. I, I'm going to end it, and then I'll let Eric take over with his uh, his Eric Eric Hart stuff. Um, <laughs> so the the chance. So we we if if Trump loses, right? And things go the way that it does with with him. How long does Biden stay in office before something changes, whether it's the men show or, you know, some sort of. He know. does not appear to me to be in robust health. Well, he um, seems uh, dramatically different from a few years ago. Yeah, he's like yeah. Just his, his, his no, delivery, his speech there's, there's, is there's different. A, there's a decline there. Um, you know, I would not be shocked um, if he does not fulfill the first year of his first term. Um, but you're a marketing guy, so I think you need to think ahead. The Kamala Harris action doll, bed not included. <laughs> Ryan, write that down. Let's get that, get on that right away. I already got the Good, thank you. Good. He's already on it. Good. Site tomorrow. Let's just start. Let's start. Pre-sales. Pre-sales pre -sales tomorrow. Yeah, pre-sales. Yeah. All right, Eric, go with your questions. Uh, I don't know. I heard these. The fuck, fuck Mary Kill. Yeah, okay, go. so we had the question last time and we didn't get to ask it of okay. playing Fuck Mary Kill. AOC, I'm unfamiliar with this game. So you have to fuck one, marry one, or kill one. Right. So it's Hillary. It's, it's the only choices you have. Yep. You can't you can't kill yourself. Right. Hillary, AOC, and Kamala Harris. Oh god. If I answer these questions, I will be destroyed. <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, so that's you'll have to answer. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm gonna I have can't... to take I'll, I will tell you after we get off the air because um, <laughs> because I can see the headline in the Guardian. Roger Stone proposes murder of Hillary Clinton, <laughs> which I'm not gonna say. So that's uh, what I figured was gonna be the answer. I'll take a pass. Look, I did a segment on the Alex Jones show a couple weeks ago in which I said, if there was widespread, overwhelming and convincing evidence of voter fraud, and if our cities were burning and radical thugs were attacking people in an attempt to force the acceptance of a corrupt election, that the president had an obligation to preserve public safety and order, and that he should, under those circumstances, consider invoking the 1807 Insurrection Act or martial law. Headline. Stone urges Trump to, to enact martial law if he's defeated. That's not what I said. It's not even close. Hey, Huffington Post, kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect ending. That, that's a great ending. Uh, so with that in mind, Huffington Post, 
Thank you, Roger, for coming on the show very much. We loved having you on. We're, gra- we're really happy that you're able to come into the studio, see the office, see the gym, hang out, have some vodkas, and uh, be here for the Readiness Report live. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and uh, we'd love to have you back on, especially on a panel show. So one of the things we like to do, it's, it's, it's rare, we do it once every like five or six shows, is have a panel show where we have conflicting opinions. Because we, we agree with you, debate. but we'd love to have yeah. somebody else that doesn't, and maybe one person that halfway does, and then you guys can all talk, and we can talk too, right? In a in a uh, not in a screaming argument, but in a in an actual intelligent conversation, which is rare these days. Very hard to do. Very hard to do, but but we make sure that it happens. We, we I, mean, I actually did a radio interview the other day where the, where the host was. Quoting the New York Times to me as if that's the, as if that's the arbiter of fact. Well, it's in the Times, therefore it must be true. No, yeah. that's not true. In fact, the odds are overwhelming. If it's in the New York Times, it's completely false. Maybe like 30, 40 years ago or yeah, something. Yeah, but like it's that. a different it's game. It's a different game. You know, it's funny. Journalism has, has changed so much where now journalism is whatever. Anybody can be a journalist. Mm-hmm. Anybody can post whatever. So and, you have social media. You're no, I, I can't because I well, know yeah, well, he has no social media. Yeah. But Rock. soon, StoneColdTruth.com will be completely revamped and people can return there. I had a very substantial following before the courts ruled that I could no longer have my free speech rights, and it will be back. I was telling Roger and Eric, but when we were on doing the tour, it's like, man, not only does it hurt his ability, Roger's ability to get out the message that whatever his message is, the truth about whatever he believes, it also really hurts his ability to to obviously make money. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the things that we do that's so effective is we do digital marketing through via social media and through via paid social media, really, along with all of our influencers. And Roger, they've removed the ability for Roger to do that. And by removing that ability, it removes the ability to make money, which is that that's even as bad as it is to get rid of the ability to to convey truth and, and spread a message. It's almost as bad, and some could say it's worse, that you can't make money on this platform or platforms that make people a lot of money, including us. Well, I think the future is bright. We shall see. Yes, I believe so, too. And so what what was the site, Roger? StoneColdTruth.com. StoneColdTruth.com. Make sure you put that up on the screen. You can get your uh, Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong t-shirts. We have the epic Roger Stones, which is a stone you know, I have that I have signed. We all have one. happens to be a, an exact historic replica. We did sure. a lot of research. It's the exact stone that little David used to take down Goliath. And you can get yours, there it is, uh, at stonecoldtruth.com in the store. Um, you know, I wasn't selling any of these until Rolling Stone, the New York Observer, and New York Magazine mocked me for marketing them then I couldn't sign enough stones. So um, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, by the way, pukes. Uh, <laughs> me, Eric, and Wardell, my wife, we all have a Roger Stone signed by Roger Stone. Let's wait to hit someone good with it. Yeah, no, no, they're strictly used as a paperweight. Um, I want to make that clear. <laughs> you don't need liability. Yeah, we went and got these, Roger, because these are the most unique things on the site. I'm like, those I need to get. Books I can buy anytime, but the Roger Stone, that's important. So, uh, guys, go to the site, uh, stonecoldtruth.com. Check it out. Buy something and support Roger. Uh, in the meantime, Roger's going to be developing, figuring out a way to get back on social media and show people the truth. So, thank you guys for watching. Thank you, Roger. Roger. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for coming here. Thank you. Truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. God and we'll bless see you. you. We'll see you next time on the Readiness Report.